0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Building Beauty Podcast. So today's episode, we're going to talk it's going to be kind of like a story time I'm going to go through of what stuff I've learned throughout this year of 2019 and how I plan to thrive in 2020. Um, and the reason I'm telling it more in like a story way instead of like giving tips and tricks on how you can, you know optimize your new year is because I think at least for me, I think it's more relatable to kind of give my own individual perspective. And then you can almost like kind of create your own perspective through it. Because when we give tips and tricks that are like specific to us, sometimes it doesn't really serve the person listening as well as if they can go, Oh, you know what? It was cool to hear her story. I can see why she's choosing to do these things. But you know, that didn't happen to me or those aren't the things I'm going through. I'm going through these things. Kind of helps you focus on that and then structure the new things you want to do in 2020 for yourself. So, kind of just going to jump into stuff of, you know, starting off with, you know, 2019 was by far the most challenging year of my life. And I will say it's also going to be the most rewarding. I'm going to be an auntie soon. My sister should be due any day now. Um, there's just so many lessons that have been taught and then so many, you know, also sad things that have happened that were unexpected a lot, just a lot of things have happened in this year. But I will say in hindsight, I look back and I go, wow, I am going to be, this is going to be a year I'll never forget. And it's going to be a year that really, you know, this year has changed me forever. Um, for the good you know, there's, I, I still, like, I've, this year I experienced things that I never thought I would ever experience in my life. I didn't even know it were possible to experience. And, you know, when we go through things that are hard times, sometimes we can get stuck in those hard times and just feel like it's going to continue. But the reality is we have no control over if the future holds good or bad. What we can do, though, is we can really learn how to live in the now and we can really learn how to appreciate all the good things that come. So, you know, kind of just going to go in the story of, you know, so this year, starting out, I had all these, you know, physical goals that I had set for myself, you know, I wanted to lose a certain amount of weight, I wanted to have a specific look in my body. Um, And honestly, I thought I was doing everything right, because I started out the year started out in December with I quit drinking, I, you know, really hyper focused on paying attention to what I was eating to make sure that I hit my weight goals. And, you know, I just decided, you know, there's been so many years where I've been just doing, doing the dance of exercise and nutrition and all this stuff, but I've never really given myself a specific goal to look a certain way. So this was going to be the year, right? Well, again, hindsight is 2020. So when I look back, it probably wasn't the best idea for me to do it at that time because I had gone through a lot of stuff in 2018 towards the end of the year that I didn't really deal with. So mentally I wasn't in a good place, but I didn't realize it then. But I was under a lot of stress that I was kind of burying. And, you know, beginning off the year in 2020, I actually did start, I hit my, you know, I I quit drinking. I started eating very, very... I wouldn't even say healthy, I just basically ate vegetables and chicken, and like I just, very low calorie, very simple stuff, and I stuck to my workout routines, and oh yeah, the weight came off quick, Um, and then I also, you know, we decided to get a new puppy uh, in February, February 1st, we got him. And I remember that day I was very um, on edge because I just like I felt like, okay, this, you know, I, I still hadn't really grieved the loss of my previous dog, Apollo. And we lost him in um, July of 2018. And so it'd been about seven months since we lost him. But I didn't, I'd never been in this position. So I didn't realize what was happening. But I remember I felt uneasy, but my husband was very sure he wanted a puppy and I was just on board. Um, and you know we had no we didn't we definitely did not do our research and experience on how we should go about getting a puppy both of us had grown up always just being like we got backyard puppies or you know random puppies that we found um at you know people were just selling and this is kind of what we did um <clears throat> and we didn't really know the signs to look for for like maybe a sick puppy or whatever so Long story short, we ended up getting this puppy, and he, um, he was so perfect. He was so sweet, but um, within a month, um, we knew something was wrong. I don't even think it was a whole month. No, it was like a couple weeks. Yeah, I, ju- I just had this pit in my stomach when we got him home that something wasn't right. And basically, it, tur- it sent me into sleep deprivation, which made, made me basically have a, a mental breakdown. I, I didn't realize what was happening at the time. But what basically happened was I could sense something was wrong with the dog. I've always been a very um, sensitive person to, like, other people's emotions. Like, if something's wrong with someone else, it's very hard for me to not feel that energy. And so this puppy was, I I, I knew he was sick. And my husband was, not that he's not also, like, an empathetic good person, but he didn't, he doesn't, like collapse into things like I do or like really feel, you know, that kind of energy that I do. So I, I don't know what happened, but basically I could feel that this dog was dying and I basically started dying along with it. That's the only best way I can describe it because within from February 1st when we got him till February 19th, I was put, I basically checked myself into the UCI, um, psych ward or I tried to. Because I basically had lost at that from February, I'd already lost a significant amount of weight. And then from February to about February 19th, when I was trying to check myself into the hospital, I had lost an additional 15 pounds. So in total, I believe I lost, I think, close to 20 pounds, 20 oh, maybe a little more. And so to lose that amount of weight, whether it's muscle, whether it's fat, doesn't matter. I mean, most of it was probably muscle, to be honest, because I didn't have a whole lot of fat on my body. But basically, to lose that kind of weight, and to basically, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep, nothing. My body was just breaking down. And I don't really know how to describe it to you guys other than, like, it literally was, like, dying while you're still awake. Um, It was the scariest moment of my life. Um, I've never... If anybody wants to hear more in depth on that story, you can let me know. I would be happy to share it when I kind of get the pieces together more of like what it felt like to go through sleep deprivation. But to not make this part of the year too long, basically I was diagnosed with PTSD and acute stress disorder that had obviously, it was something that's been accumulating in my life for many, many years and it basically just hit all around this time. So I do now, I I work with a psychotherapist and I, um, at the time they put me on some, a lot of heavy psycho, um, psychoactive drugs and antidepressants. And honestly, the medication did help me a lot to get out of what I, the hole that I was in. Um, I just, I, it like gives me chills just thinking about it because it, it was such a place that I, I literally didn't feel like I could help myself and I felt like I was going to die, and I just could not get out of it. No matter what they gave me, every time I went to the emergency room, they gave they just hopped me up on a bunch of like Valium or Xanax, and then they would send me home, and it just was a repeat cycle. Finally, um, UCI did diagnose me with having sleep deprivation, and that uh, I basically needed to be like kind of quarantined into a quiet area for. And I didn't go to like a hospital quarantine area because hospitals are not quiet and peaceful. So they basically told me like, you need to go somewhere that's isolated. And I went up to my grandma's up in the Sequoias and I basically stayed there and I just slept. And it was the like this battle to get back to feeling normal has been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But I've made it and I work every day to make sure I don't ever go back to that place because I still need to deal with issues that basically compounded to create that problem. But anyways you know there's a lot of a lot of extra details that go into this so don't take this as like just something simple if you're someone who deals with anxiety or stress or been diagnosed with like something like PTSD or anything like that you know that it's not as simple as oh you went through something and then now it's over these things accumulate they compound and it takes a lot of time and work to get through it so i commend anybody who's on here that has any is dealing with any kind of mental health issues just keep fighting and focus on your own recovery through it, and what you need to do for yourself, and don't really compare yourself to others. But just thought I would share that with you guys. So that's that's pretty much how it went from the until the end of February. Then um, March hits, and March basically was just a, a a a total month of just trying to freaking recover from feeling to feel normal. Um, you know, when I got back home. Um, you know, the the puppy he, he was take my husband, you know, did take him to a vet. We found out he was dying of pancreatic cancer. I think it was pancreatic it was something wrong with his pancreas and basically he had days to live. So I was right. Like no everyone treated me like I was crazy, even the vets were like, No, we need to give him a few more weeks, like it's fine, he's fine, you're you're overthinking it. Nope, I was right, he was dying right in front of my eyes and it was just The most excruciating thing I've ever been through, because I was basically just holding this little life that I could tell was just slowly was just slowly dying, and no one else thought he was dying except for me. So, it felt I guess it felt kind of good to feel validated that I was correct, and then I, you know, from there I started I was working with a therapist and I moved forward. And my husband still really wanted a a dog. You know, he was like, "Listen, I know that this really fucked you up." but I don't want us to like, just stop what we were doing, what we were planning to do this year with getting a new, a new dog, just because, um, you know, we shit luck. We got a sick puppy and he really helped me kind of see at first I was like, no, nope, I can't do the whole puppy thing. Cause I was so scared of having that, that happen to me again, but it was very now again, I'm, I'm so happy that he pushed me to realize like, listen, you weren't wrong to feel this way, but You let your feelings and emotions just take over, and that's not healthy in itself. So you're going to need to do some work, but we shouldn't be scared to keep moving forward. And we went. that You know, luckily, the place we got him, it was basically a rescue. Um, He had rescued another litter of puppies, and he said, you know, I'm so sorry that this happened to you guys. There's no way for us to know this, you know, before – because it's not like we're, you know, they're not like a breeder where they have the mom and the dad with them and are can compare. So basically he's like, you know, your offer stands good with me that I will give you an, I'll give you a new puppy or as many other puppies as you need or whatever. Um till you find the right one. I'm so sorry that you lost him. It's, you know, whatever. So it was very nice that he did he with no charge let us come back and see different litters and see and just take our time finding the right puppy. And then finally Middle of March, we did find a puppy that we loved, and we still have her today, Sarah. And she's the light of our life. So I'm so happy that we did that. Um, but, you know, now having a new puppy in the house, that was a, hard to adjust to. I started having the same kind of triggers of my anxiety that I had gotten before, kind of started losing my hearing a little, couldn't really see stuff. Um, I had a lot of issues with Um, the second I heard, heard her cry or bark, my whole body would go into like this cold chill and I would have to uh, like go straight to the bathroom all the time. So I, I just didn't feel very good. But, um, shortly over time it was getting better. I was on medication. Everything was getting much better. Well, then April hits, beginning of April, and I realize, you know, we got the news. My sister let us know that she and her husband were pregnant, and we were so excited for them. And I don't know what happened, but I just had, like, this feeling. I At this time, I'm not tracking anything. I'm not looking at, like, where my period's at, whatever. But I decided, you know, I just felt kind of weird, and why not? I, I had a pregnancy test in my bathroom, so I took it, and it said positive. And I was like, oh, shit and I called my husband who at this time he was you know he was not we weren't trying to have a baby really and so when I called him he just started busting up laughing and he was like all right well you know make an appointment with the doctor and I was like what the fuck I was like how are you laughing about this like I'm freaking the fuck out like I'm on I'm just how the fuck is this possible like I just went through the worst months of my life how the fuck could I get pregnant when my body's under this kind of stress, and I have all these all, on all these medications, all this stuff, right? So, I go to the doctor. They confirm I'm pregnant. Everything seems to be going well. I'm excited. They send me to a specialist because of the medications I'm on. I get to that that specialist, and he tells me, you know, you need to get off all these medications. So, I'm on multiple. I'm on a psychoactive drug. I'm on a SSRI. I'm on all these medications that really you should never stop cold turkey if you can help it. But the fact that I'm pregnant, none of the stuff I'm taking is healthy for the baby. So I have to stop it. So that day, cold turkey, stop everything. The next two days were a living fucking hell. I've never felt so sick in my life. I felt like I just wanted to die. It was, but I remember it was getting me through. It was the fact that I'm like, no, you know what? I'm doing this because I'm pregnant and I didn't feel necessarily depressed or anxious. I just... my Physically, I was in hell. Couldn't stop throwing up. I couldn't eat anything. Um, you know, and then on that... I think it was the, that second day morning after I found out I was pregnant. I found out I was pregnant on a Wednesday. And then on the, on a Friday, I woke up and I just had the most excruciating pain in my back on my left side. And I was you know, trying to foam roll and all this stuff. And I know you're not supposed to do that necessarily when you're pregnant, I think, but I just, it was so bad that I didn't know what to do. So I'm trying to stretch all this stuff, right? And I called my sister to ask, you know, she had had some bad cramping as well. But right when I said it was on my left side, she was like, you need to go to the hospital. She's like, that's not not normal to have a pain on your left side. It could be normal, but just to be sure you should go to the hospital because it could be an ectopic pregnancy. And I said, yeah, that's what I was thinking. So long story short, go to the hospital. They do a test. They basically say, you know, your your levels are going up, so we don't think it's an ectopic. We think you're fine. You're probably just experiencing pain. You can go home. Go home. Um, I have a doctor's appointment with my doctor the next day. Go there. I tell him I still feel horrible. Don't feel good. He's like, we're going to get another HCG blood test done today. Find out where your levels are at. We'll go from there. So... We go and do that, he finds out that they're dropping. And so he basically says, I think you're having a miscarriage and I'm so sorry and you know, basically we think we're just we're having a miscarriage. So he's like, You're gonna probably go through the miscarriage, um, throughout this through this weekend and then um, you know, if you don't have a full miscarriage then you can come back in to do a D and C so I was sad and it was hard, but, you know, I, I was very, very aware to not let myself get, um, too discouraged because of how bad mentally I was at, um, you know, a few months prior. I was like, I can't let myself get back there, so I'm, I'm just going to take this as, you know what, it wasn't God's plan for me to have a baby. I totally understand why I would possibly have a miscarriage. It could be come, from coming off of all these medications, uh, you know, it, it makes sense. I'm sad, but it makes sense. So it just wasn't meant to be. So I went on to move on with my life and he wanted me to come back the next day to get another, um, HGG test to make sure that the levels kept going down until they went to zero. Well, I went back in, and long story short, the levels started going back up, which is a bad sign. If your levels go back up, that is a very tell sign that you, that you are pos- potentially having an ectopic, because as, if you have a miscarriage, your levels should just continue to go down until they go to zero. We noticed that they started going back up, and they were fluctuating. So couple all this stuff keeps going on for the next week, and he basically says, okay, all your signs and symptoms, we don't see anything in the... Um, In your uterus, and we, um, all your signs and symptoms are pointing towards ectopic. So you have two choices: you can we can put you on um, chemo, or which it's a pill uh, called methotrexate, um, which I guess has like about 60 60 to sixty-five percent chance of eliminating. It basically just takes away the tissue, uh, eliminating the ectopic, or um, doing surgery. And I done my research. I looked up all this stuff, and I was like, nope, we're doing surgery. I'm not taking the chance of taking the... First off, I don't want to put chemo in my body. That's just my personal choice. And second, I don't want to take the chance of my fallopian tube bursting. So, get rushed into emergency surgery the next morning at 5 a.m., do the surgery. They find out in the surgery I have endometriosis. And then from there, basically recover from all of that. So, you know... By the time I get out of surgery and I'm back home and I'm just recuperating, I just – at that point, so much physically has now happened to me that I can't even really tap into the mental despair I felt before because I, it now was so physical um, – that my brain was just fried from, from, from feeling so lost and like hopeless and helpless, which was the scariest feeling ever. Like my biggest symptom with my mental stuff was called disassociation where I basically wasn't, I could be giving this description wrong for what the technical term for dissociation is, but basically the main symptom I experienced was that I couldn't I would just kind of almost float out of my body. Like, I would just float away. Like, I couldn't reason with reality. I would just... The second I would face the reality of things, I just kind of, like, glazed... My eyes would glaze over, and I would just go into this pit of, like, nope, death is the only option. Like, I can only die. Like, that's, like, my only way of getting out of this hell. I can't explain it, but it was weird. But, so... At this point now i'm coming I'm coming home and' recovering, and I just ugh, there's so much so much going on and then very unfortunately, we find out while I'm in surgery and this is now on May first of two thousand eighteen or two thousand nineteen um my we find out that my husband's grandmother is was rushed into the emergency room where they found out that she, her stomach basically was riddled with cancer. So we're just like, oh, my fucking God. Like, this is just piling up. Lots of stuff piling up. So, you know, now basically from this point on has been just recovering. Um Physically and mentally, I've been I'm miles from where I was. Um, so so much better, but definitely not where I was at. Um, I I walk every single day. I'm very specific about being um, very. I meditate every single morning. I read every day, just something to kind of just help my brain get back to like its own form of exercise. But I'm definitely not the same as I was, which I don't expect to be. I'm, I feel like I, this is my opportunity to really grow through the struggles that I had to embrace. And unfortunately, um, you know, on November 1st of this year, we um, lost my husband's grandma to that cancer. So uh, it's just very sad, you know, And I'm, I, this might sound woo woo, but I'm someone who always like adds up, adds in numbers. So it's like, it's just crazy to me that, you know, July 1st of 2018, we lost our beloved dog of almost nine, 10 years. Uh, February 1st is when we got our sick puppy Zen that unfortunately didn't make it. May 1st is when my husband's grandma was diagnosed with cancer and I was in the hospital for the ectopic pregnancy. And then November 1st of this year, she passed away. And it was just a lot of things that started bringing my mind to a place that I don't really like it to go where I just start fixating on um, patterns, which I know for some people is a good thing. But for me, it ends up turning me into someone who just gets out of reality and I get too far into putting too much meaning behind things that honestly are they just are. And I need to just appreciate that... um, you know this is a part of life, and sad things happen and I can tell you right now from you know this whole year, I've just been learning how to be just so much more grateful for all the things that I have, and you know, like to look at it as like all these sad things might have happened, but look, you know I'm having my first my sister, who's my twin, for those of you who don't know me personally. I have a twin sister named Lindsay and she, our due dates were actually a week, exactly a week apart if I would have had an actual pregnancy, but look at, she's going to be blessed with such a beautiful baby girl that all of us are so excited to meet. And that right there is enough to trump all the other sad things, right? Like that's what I'm so excited that I end this year with that kind of thought is that Yes, a lot of bad things happen, but there's this one beautiful miracle that's going to happen, too, that's going to be just so awesome. So rather than let 2020, you know, have the negative stuff of 2019 bleed over into it, why not go, you know what, these things happen, and they sucked, and they hurt, but I'm I'm sure there's going to be more hurtful, sucky things in the future, but why I can't focus on that. I need to live in the now and I need to appreciate what the now brings. So, you know, honestly, this, this whole last couple of months, I've just been recovering and I have goals in the 2020 of, you know, getting stronger, possibly my husband and I getting pregnant and having our first child and all those things need to have a strong foundation to build upon. I can't just expect them to happen. I have to be doing the work now to make it so 2020, I can reap those rewards. And it's not guaranteed, but nothing in life is. But I do know that I have a choice in what I choose to do day after day after day to help those possibilities come. So, you know, these last couple of months, I'm not trying to reach some aesthetic look You know, and make sure I work out every day so that I have abs and a a nice ass. And No, I I walk every day and I train my dog every day because I need her to be a well-behaved part of society when we bring children in this world and to be around children and be around people. Um, I work hard to make sure that my husband's taken care of. I work hard to make sure I'm taken care of and that we're just living our life based on what we hope to have the future... uh, you know, basically contributing now to the things that we hope to see the future bring. So I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, you know, and walking down kind of, you know, th- there were definitely hard times this year, but I hope if you take anything away from it and you've probably gone through hard times this year yourself, you, you kind of um, are pushed to realize that those things did happen, but they don't define what is possible for the next year. And 2020 could definitely be, you know, it could be another year of learning, but it also very easily and very possibly could be a year of flourishing. And you definitely want to, you know, always keep the, keep the positive in mind and never really let those, you know, negative thoughts take you down. So I hope you enjoyed me sharing this story with you guys. And I hope it maybe brings some insight for those who feel maybe lost and frustrated with what they've gone through in this last year and how to move forward if if that is if that's what feels right for you to start doing in this next year. But I do hope that everybody has a beautiful rest of this year and a great start to twenty twenty. And if you like to connect with me directly. Um, I am a personal trainer as well as a nutrition coach. And right now I'm not taking on new clients, but I love starting new conversations with people that might be um, feeling lost or stuck with how to start their own health and fitness journey. And I'd I'd love to be of some help if I can. Um, So you can reach me at HRO fitness on Instagram. If you feel like connecting with me. Um, I hope all of you have an amazing rest of the day and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. New Instagram handle name is Haley.reanne, so it's spelled H-A-L-E-Y and then a period R-I-A-N-N-E.